0: Jimmy Butler celebrates his 33rd birthday, and this season feels like a pivotal point in his career as he continues to prove his worth as one of the top players in the NBA. What are the expectations for Jimmy Butler's upcoming season? Can he carry the heat to yet another deep playoff run, or will he need someone else to step up? We break it all down on today's Locked on Heat.
1: You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every
0: day. Heat Nation, it's a Wednesday edition of Locked on Heat, your daily podcast covering all things Miami Heat. However, you may be listening or watching on YouTube, Odyssey, or on your favorite podcast app. Thanks so much for making us your first listen every day. I'm David Ramil, and with me, as always, is my co host, Wes Goldberg. We took a little bit of a, a slight hiatus there over the last couple of days as I've been nursing a cold, but uh, now we're back and we're ready to talk about Jimmy Butler, who's turning 33 today. So we thought it was a good opportunity to take a look at Miami superstar to what this upcoming season could look like for him and what happens next, because there are questions about how much longer Jimmy will be able to carry the team the way he has during the first three seasons of his heat tenure. So let's start off with that kind of talking point there, because obviously turning 33, there are some historical comparisons to what that point might look like a few years ago, 33 would have been very much towards the tail end of his career. But Jimmy seems like he's going quite strong. It looks like he's fairly ensconced in the midst of his prime rather than looking at uh, retirement or whatever might happen next. And there's another four years left on his contract after, after signing his three-year contract extension a couple off seasons ago. So he's still going strong, obviously carrying Miami through the deep playoff run last season all the way up to the e- Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals. So what does this season look like for Jimmy? What do you think, Wes? At age 33, will that finally start uh, to catch up with to-
1: to that, I don't is no. I, I don't think that this is the season where we start to see age become a factor. Now, obviously, at some point, age will become a factor. But like you just said, it's it's not like what it used to be. I mean, you look at LeBron, and that's obviously yeah. the exception to the rule. But he's he's the Tom Brady of the NBA, right? This is a guy who's probably going to play until he's forty five years old to play, not with just one his bright uh, or Bronny, but he also wants to play with his youngest son Bryce, right. according to Chris Ballard from that that wonderful Sports Illustrated profile that I wrote recently, and. And, and you could just see the way that the science and all of this stuff is involved, how it's uh, just elongating these, these careers uh, of these top players. And the one thing about Jimmy Butler is, no, he's not the most naturally gifted, skilled kind of player, but physically he is top 1% in the league, right? Like this is a guy who takes care of his body, works really hard on it, and is physically gifted. The endurance that he has, I mean, you could argue he is... I don't know about the best two-way player in the NBA, but gives his hardest more than any other player in the league on both ends of the court, and that's because of that great body. It's because of that great endurance, and we haven't seen it slowed. We obviously saw, you know, the maximum version of that in the postseason last year, so again, the the answer to me right now is no, based on what we just saw uh, coming off that playoff run. There's no indications he's been relatively healthy, right? Nagging injuries here and there, relatively healthy, though. No major ones, knock on wood. And uh, and I expect that as long as is that's the case, I expect him to play as, as well as he did last year.
0: Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. I, I think the question about whether or not he's in his prime is pretty clear. Like he's playing as well as he ever has, perhaps even better, more effectively. And then we see him still capable, even at 33 or 32 and a half, as he was during last year's playoff run, of taking it to another level, going up yet another notch, finding ways to continue to dominate games that most thirty-three year olds can't. So I don't think age has caught up to him yet. From what we've seen over the off season, he's continuing to do the work. We expected nothing less from Jimmy Butler. So he seems like he still committed at this point and looking to continue to find ways to improve. And I think yeah. that's something that we'll explore later on in the show. But yeah. to answer the overall question, yes, I am agreement, They're- total agreement with you. I just don't think, I don't think age is quite what it was, and at least certainly not in his case. Like we've seen, even younger players. Uh, break down to some degree because of various injuries. Jimmy has been, as you said, very lucky. So I don't think it's caught up to him just yet, and I don't see him slowing down this season and next it, season. That's a whole other conversation. Part of it
1: too is just the way stars handle the regular season now. I mean, Jimmy Butler has not played yeah. sixty games in a season for four years now, and that's not yeah. an, that's not a knock on his health or anything. That's just what stars of his caliber do now. You basically in an eighty-two game season. You take twenty games off, and that's just common that's that's what players of his caliber do, and so that's also helped things a little bit. You look at the key indicators uh, of of age, right for NBA players, and typically what you'll look at first is rebounding and then some of those hustle stats, like steals blocks depending on the position right but right. but for for Jimmy Butler, yes, his rebounding has gone down from two years ago to last year. There was a dip in rebounding, a slight dip in blocks and steals, but but if you look over the overall average of his career, they're right in line with what Jimmy has done through the prime years of his career, basically six, six and, and like a steal and a half and almost a block per game. Um, yeah. So that, to me, tells me last year that was maybe more the, the dip in rebounding and stuff like that, maybe more of a factor of his usage, the way that Miami's using him, the fact that you had a good rebounder in P.J. Tucker, that he had Jimmy playing away from the basket a little bit more, that you obviously had Kyle Lowry uh, handling the ball a little bit more. Uh, that to me is more of a function of how they used him as opposed to just maybe not having the legs under him and and the way that he had used to. So the indicators show that Jimmy Butler really isn't slowing down at all. I've got a bunch of stats that I want to get to on later in the show, but um, to your point too, I mean, like the, the minutes played here, I've got the list. uh, Let me pull it up. Like you look at uh, how, how many minutes Jimmy has played in the regular season and in the playoffs combined. And you can find this on basketball reference and, and i've got the list right in front of me you look at who he's near and it's a bunch of players who are also kind of at the in their prime i think squarely in their prime but you know clearly on the tail end of it and whether that means two or three more years of their prime they're still in it uh right right around him is is clay thompson who did have two years off because of the injuries that he was dealing with but damian lillard paul george Right. Like, let's just take Dame and, and Paul George, for example. Nobody is saying that those guys are slowing down, right? That's not really a question that, I mean, maybe Clippers and Portland fans are having it, and I'm just not privy to it, but it's not really a conversation that's out there. And for Jimmy Butler, I don't think it should be there, too. To me, a guy who is squarely in his prime, tail end of it, sure, second half of the prime, but in it, in the prime.
0: No, I think that's fair. I mean, and you think, consider Clay and you look at all the, the what, seven sure. trips yeah. to the finals? Yeah. So, I mean, it's bound to add up, uh, Jimmy. Not nearly as successful in the playoffs earlier in his career with Chicago, and then finally making a, a you know a playoffs with Minnesota, Philadelphia, and then going to the finals twice. Well, going to the finals once with Miami, and going all the way to Game Seven in the Eastern Conference Finals. So he's had some playoff success in Miami, but I don't think the minutes have started to add up yet. And and for all the talk too about Tom Thibodeau. Uh, wearing on his players and kind of grinding them into the ground and things of that sort. I don't think we're starting to see that with Jimmy. Yeah. Like, Jimmy's starting to play significantly less minutes, at least during the regular season, uh, more towards the the career average for him, which is around 33 minutes. And, and I've got a comparison here that I think uh, makes a lot of sense for Heat fans. This is... This is Jimmy Butler entering this season is comparable to Dwayne Wade entering the 2014-15 season, so right after the end of the Big Three era. And if you recall correctly, the 13-14 season was when Dwayne entered his maintenance program. Uh, a concern for LeBron James is. Dwayne no longer the player he once was, no longer able to get that same kind of bounce and athleticism that he once had. Of course, with Dwayne, there was also something that Jimmy didn't have or doesn't have, which is the nagging knee injury that has affected him throughout that affected Dwayne throughout all of his career. So Jimmy's been much more fortunate in that sense. Dwayne's knee, obviously a concern 13-14. He got the rest, still effective for the most part in the playoffs. And then for the next few seasons, wound up being pretty successful. But up to that 13-14 season, Dwayne played 719 regular season games compared to just 690 for Jimmy Butler. And then in the playoffs, 157 total games as opposed to 97. So basically the equivalent of a whole extra season that Dwayne had played up to that point more than Jimmy. Uh, Considering the playoff runs in 2006 and then the four trips to the finals with the Big Three era, those games all add up, obviously. Uh, And then again, Dwayne with that nagging knee injury, I think, Starting right. to take out of him, uh, takes something away from his game to some degree that we haven't seen with Jimmy. And, and I'd say styles of game, and we'll get into this a little bit more later on in the show as well. I think benefit Jimmy. Jimmy not as prone to diving to the ground, uh, not as prone as just you know, not yeah. necessarily flopping, but just different Jimmy attacks. Was, to Jimmy the is a little bit slower, more methodical. He'll go into way. a post up Jimmy, to a hook
1: where Dwayne Wade for so much of his career, and that was basically yeah. in Jimmy's game for his whole career. Yeah. Dwayne Wade early in his career we know like played just with, with like his head was on fire just going right to the basket. We just did our 2006 yeah. finals rewatch. It was like every time D-Wade took a shot, even like a fadeaway, he would end up on his butt somehow and it was yeah, it's a good comparison. Um also with Jimmy, you know, he's staying young, right? Like this is a guy who is is traveling during the off season a whole lot. He's obviously still working on his game. He seems to be in great shape. Getting his hair um, done. I mean, he's, he's got just, the extensions. Yeah, he's living life. Uh, yeah. he's drinking what it sounds like 17 cups of coffee a day. I mean, you know what? Mm. I, he's got a system so far. It's working. Do you think the extensions make an appearance in the regular season? I can't see it as they would. Do you Have hope we... they do? Let's put it that way. Uh, no. Pre-season. Uh, I, not... I just want, give me preseason just to see it. Give me preseason. But I would be shocked because yeah. you and I are going to be there on media day. I would be shocked if he's at at media day and he's got the extensions, but we'll see.
0: See, I'd love that because that, that that's like every picture, like you'll see that version right. of Jimmy when he's wishing all of us a Merry Christmas, a Mother's Day, like we'll yeah. see him throughout the whole year in a dreadlocked version of Jimmy. Yeah. And then we'll, he of does we'll typically pick different.
1: one hairstyle for the full season, right? He went with the cornrows last year, with the braids last year, and and he, he had that at media day, right? And that was sort of like what you saw during Halloween and Christmas and all the sort of things that they do. So I'll be interested to see. We'll, we'll find out.
0: Yeah. Yeah, Uh, it's a good question. But one question that I think a lot of Heat fans have is, will he continue to carry the Miami Heat as he did this past season? We'll answer that in the next segment. But before we do that, just a reminder that BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. You can find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this year's opening week's games. The Dolphins actually managed to win despite the online criticism of Tua. Uh, I, can't, you know, I cannot even pronounce his Tidy last name. He lapsed all the Tua
1: Tua's the man. There you go. We're good.
0: Yeah. Okay. BetOnline is also your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. The fastest and easiest way to check in all your favorite sports and events. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Giannis Antetokounmpo— which NBA player moves the betting line the most this season? Locked on, and the Bet Online uh, odds makers present the NBA top fifty most valuable players starting next Monday, September nineteenth. You can find it on Locked On NBA wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. That list. A very interesting one. I'm sure Heat fans will find it uh, as interesting as well. We'll be sure to talk about it in an episode next week, especially where Jimmy Butler ranks as one of the most valuable players in the NBA. So make sure you stay tuned for that. But right now we're looking ahead to what next season could look like and specifically the question about whether or not he can carry Miami. Because I think in terms of the regular season, obviously he was battling some nagging injuries here and there. We expect that to be the case. Between his ankle and his wrists and just the fact that he does take a beating from time to time, he's going to miss some games. But overall, it seems like there's another level that we see Jimmy reach during the playoffs and one that he doesn't and shouldn't uh, take on during the regular season. That that 82-game stretch, uh, not necessary for Jimmy to be on point all the time. As much as Heat fans would love that, and I, I'm sure – there are probably some old heads saying, oh, well, Michael Jordan never took a day off. Guess what? That's a, that's a total lie. Uh, Michael Jordan did take days off yeah. on occasion. And he, and used he to did go not play. And he him.
1: used to go to Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: So it's different. Like I, he never wanted to lose and he had very good teams and he didn't lose a whole heck of a lot. But at the same time, let's not make that comparison. Jimmy's entitled to some time off. I don't think
1: He's anybody's entitled making to- that comparison, by the way, and Jimmy heard of Michael Jordan. But no, 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 about, not necessarily
0: on times of play. But yeah. yeah, but it's just like, you know, like do you have to like demolish, the Sacramento Kings in a mid-February game. Like, I, I, that's, no, I mean, like, is look, that really important?
1: No, it's not. And, and Jimmy Butler has found out, like LeBron James has, and several of the star players in this league, how to have your, how to just maintain through the regular season. Like I just right. said, all these guys are playing Post, sixty games. Everybody wants the regular season to get cut. For the star players, the regular season has been cut, right? Like, there are not star players. Very few of them, I should say, that are playing 80, 82 games in a season they're playing 60 to 70 games in a season. They're all taking 15 to 22 games off. Uh, Jimmy Butler is one of them. And that's fine. That's fine. I expect that to be the case this regular season. And then that way, when the playoffs will roll around, you see playoff Jimmy Butler uh, coming back. But in terms of whether or not he can carry the heat, to answer your question, David, um, that's two different questions. Can he carry the heat through the regular season? Because he is their best player, and you're going to have to rely on him when he is on the court for those 60 games that he's going to play? And then can he obviously do what he did in the playoffs last year? Um, In terms of both, I think the answer still is yes right now. I admit, going into last season, last postseason, I was dubious about Miami's chances. I said, look, Jimmy Butler is a fantastic player, but he is not the guy that can carry you. He can't be the best guy on a championship-winning team. David, what I saw, I know that the Heat obviously didn't even make it to the finals, but what I saw in the playoffs, what Jimmy Butler did on an injured, limping Miami Heat team— I changed my mind. I'm completely proven wrong, and I'm happy to be proven wrong. He is good enough to be the best player on a championship team. I am convinced of that if he could play the way that he did last year. And I think he will. If you just look at his numbers, too, by the way, like it's not that he necessarily played better in the playoffs. He did. But I think it's not that he got got more efficient or played necessarily different all that much. I think he just did more in the playoffs, if you know what I mean. Like You look at his regular season to playoff metrics— and it's just the efficiency numbers are consistent from the regular season to the playoffs. It's just that the usage, the, the, the frequency with which he posted up or got to the basket or, or shot threes or all that kind of stuff, all of that just went up in the playoffs. But the efficiency for the most part, outside of the three-point shooting, was basically the same. Um, when we have that conversation about what it looks like for a player to carry a team, I think in today's NBA, the idea of that player is what? It's a wing player who can do a lot, a, a two way wing and on offense, that wing can handle the ball, get guys involved, but also take over whether it's at the basket from the mid range and all these things. And you just go down like what Jimmy Butler does well. And he does all the things that you sort of want your apex predator wing to do in today's NBA. I think Jimmy Butler is right there with, you know, the Kawhi's and the Paul George's like at this point, I don't know that you can argue that Kawhi Leonard is a better player than Jimmy Butler. And I think that's fair given that Kawhi has been so injury plagued and all these things. And what we really haven't seen from Kawhi at the Clippers, like Jimmy is just more reliable on the court. And and part of it is being on the court and being reliable and being a leader. And I think Jimmy has that in spades. So yeah, I think the answer is yes.
0: Yeah. I I have to agree with that as well. Uh, I think uh, we just, we just see Jimmy continue to play his game at a high level, never loses control, Always seems like he's focused on what he's doing. Uh, look, that little skirmish on the sidelines notwithstanding, uh, he's always focused on winning. He tries his best. He's always going to impact the game, both on the offensive end and the defensive end, but also like still capable, even at this point, of taking a step back on occasion and letting the game flow and understanding what it requires of him. And I've made this comparison a lot. I'll continue to make it. Second only to LeBron James, in my opinion, of being able – to dictate the course of a game and say, you know what? I need to be more of a playmaker today, or I need to be more aggressive on offense because we've seen him capable of doing both. And I think still, even at 33, he'll be able to do that next season as well.
1: It's a good call. I would put Steph in that category also, but like those, I think it's a very, very good call. Um, Look, you just look at the, st- I've got some stats here just sort of referencing what it is that he's able to do. Jimmy Butler, ISO score. When we're talking about a guy who could take over when he has to, we're talking about what we're talking about isolation scoring. Jimmy Butler is in the 77th percentile as an ISO score. That's right with the best wing players in the NBA. You know, you have some some primo isolation guys like Luca and guys like that who are just 99th percentile. But Jimmy Butler is a awesome isolation score, and you don't really, I don't think you really associate Jimmy Butler with that kind of game because, like you said, he can be so unselfish throughout the regular season um, as a pick and roll ball handler. Again, okay. Jimmy Butler is not a naturally gifted ball handler he's just not right he's not Kyrie Irving and he's not even like you know just naturally gifted at this but as a P and roll ball handler man like he's up there with some of the best in the league during the regular season he averages 4.3 possessions per game as a pick and roll ball handler and he scores at a 0.92 points per possession clip which again is up there with some of the best in the league you look at the playoffs for that 6.2 possessions in the playoffs, almost two more possessions as a pick-and-roll ball handler in the playoffs. Like I said, he just turns it up a notch. At, right. And then the, the, free, the, the efficiency does not go down, David. In fact, it goes up, goes up. to 1.09 yeah. point points, uh, points per possession, and that is at the upper crust of elite in the NBA. When he turns it up, he gets better. Um, he's a good post-up player. I mean, he's averaging two and a half post-ups a game at one point per possession. That's right there with a guy like Giannis, who we obviously yeah. associate with posting up. And and that kind of bully ball style of play, and obviously we do with Jimmy as well. So you just go down the line of these these advanced stats here, um, and Jimmy just checks all these boxes of what you would expect from a wing player who carries his team. Jimmy Butler is just flatly one of those guys.
0: He's a great finisher. Uh, also gets to the line a whole heck of a lot, yes. which also certainly helps that. And I don't see any of those things deteriorating. Like I. He doesn't have the same touch around the basket, obviously, as a Dwayne Wade. But I think he's a little bit more controlled uh around the basket. Like Dwayne, I think he was trying to get I don't want to call Dwayne a flop artist because I don't think that certainly was like he he certainly took, you know, benefited from the free throw, as great players always do. But I think he was looking for the call, especially at this point in his career, a lot more often than Jimmy does. Like Jimmy will get the call more often just because I think a little bit stronger a little bit more physical not shying away from contact to some degree and i think he'll he's looking to score first and foremost very rarely do we see jimmy kind of put up a bad shot knowing or expecting a foul call in his favor and i don't think either of those things will change next year i think he's going to continue to dominate around the paint i think he's going to continue to get those calls in his favor i'm not sure what the secret is like there has to be something he just he gets to the foul line a lot and yet, he does not have that reputation of a James Harden or anything like that. It seems like every time he gets to the, the free throw line, and this is from not just Heat fans but also opponents, media in general, like it seems like every trip to the line is extremely well earned for him, and nobody well, critis- criticizes isn't, Jimmy.
1: He doesn't flop. He doesn't throw the head back. And also, when you compare it to guys like Harden and like Trey Young, that's yep. such a part of their game. They're pl- they're taking like twelve to fourteen free throws a game. Um, right. It is just it is baiting. They're trying. They're baiting the officials. I'm not saying Jimmy Butler isn't trying to get to the line. He's trying to get to the line. But when you compare him to those guys who are like all-time flop artists, yeah, Yeah. obviously Jimmy Butler is going to stand out as not that. Most players do, right? And uh, in terms of the D-Wade comparisons, just completely different mindsets. D-Wade was like Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, assassin score. That's not Jimmy's game. It's not. Uh, That's to me where the comparison ends. I I like the comparison you made from an aging perspective. Obviously Jimmy Butler's peak isn't anywhere close to what Dwayne Wade's peak was, but he's aging better. Than Dwayne Wade, And a lot of that, to your, to your point, was because of Dwayne Wade's the, the knee surgery that he mistakenly got at Marquette. By the way, one of the biggest what-ifs, I think, in NBA history. Who knows what Dwayne Wade's career looks like if he had actually gotten the right surgery instead of the wrong one in college. But that's a different podcast. Um, Jimmy Butler is going to be just fine is, I think, our underlying point. All the metrics that we laid out, all the things that you're talking about as far as his aging and the minutes played and all this stuff, I like the point you made, by the way. I want to circle back to the Tom Thibodeau point. Like That was a narrative after Jimmy played under Tibbs for so long that he's got all this mileage. That narrative has gone away in large part because he started tapering off the minutes in the games played, and now he's back in line to where he ought to be in terms of a minutes played and in terms of sort of the aging cycle that he's at. This is a guy square in the middle of his prime. The metrics bear it out. He's going to be fine. The, The overall question, what we're asking here on his 33rd birthday, happy birthday, Jimmy Butler, is are we expecting age to become a factor this season? I think the overwhelming answer for both of us right now is no, we don't expect it to. But I think there are ways that the Heat can try to maximize what is left of his prime.
0: That's right. Uh, Just because he can carry the team doesn't necessarily mean that he should be put in that position moving forward. So we'll answer that in the next segment here on Locked on Heat. So much for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day. As always, make sure to write to us, send us comments, leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. We always want to hear from you, especially with the season right around the corner—just ten days away. Ten days away—is that possible? Ten days away from the start of training camp? Look, I mean, we—I don't think we complain necessarily about the offseason. It's a little difficult sometimes to find useful information to talk about we could always bs our way through an episode but that's not our yes, style baby <laughs> yes man. that's not that's not what we do not here not on lockdown here sure. but uh uh you know 10 days away you know there's a lot of questions and we're going to be asking them over the next few days because we're excited about to start a training camp media day right around the corner as you mentioned before we're excited to talk to players who knows maybe we'll even have locker room access this year it should be fun I hope uh, so <laughs> I keep putting it out there in the universe hoping that somebody will answer and say, you're right, we're, we're going to have locker room access. But, you know, the question is, one of the things anyway that I saw in the locker room in 2019-20, Jimmy's first year, was Jimmy just limping all the time. And, again, uh, that was a byproduct, I think, of him carrying that version of the team before Tyler took a step up, before Bam you know, reached another level, another level that he has yet to reach still. Um, but even after that season, of course, the iconic image of him bent over the scores table and the finals. And, and you know, there were questions even then, you know, can he continue to carry the team? And now here we are two years later after him putting up semi-MVP, top 10-ish numbers in the NBA over the last couple seasons. And we're still questioning whether or not he can continue to carry the team. So I think the answer, again, as you put before, is that we both believe that he will, yeah. but that doesn't necessarily mean that he should and that the, he can do more to continue his peak to continue the strength of this peak and to make sure that he is in the best position to do what he wants most which is to win an nba title so let's get into that question what can they do to maximize his peak a little bit more and I, i i keep coming back to this point at least for what this next season is going to look like is everybody else is going to have to find a way to step up jimmy's still going to be your go-to player, as he should, because he's your best player and he will continue to be your best player in the foreseeable future. But that doesn't mean that you can't expect a rise in their game from Bam Adebayo, Tyler Hero, Kyle Lowry, everybody on this roster. If you're going to get playing time and you want to be able to maximize your opportunity, you want to be able to ride Jimmy's coattails for as long as you can, and possibly even find a way into the NBA Finals, and that's your best bet is to continue to get, to show improvement in all other areas from all other players, so that Jimmy can be put in the position to succeed when it matters most.
1: And that's where the Heat are at right now, right? And we know they were chasing another star to pair next to Jimmy Butler, so that he wouldn't have to carry the load. We saw how it just wasn't enough at the end of the Eastern Conference Finals for all of the things that we said nice niceties that we that we gave to Jimmy Butler and all the platitudes that we've spent most of this podcast discussing. He's not the guy that you can just have a bunch of injured players around and not and, and be able to get to the finals. Very few players are that way. We even saw with Milwaukee, with Giannis. He didn't have Chris Middleton. They lost to Boston. So Yeah, um, is there
0: any—I mean, to that point, is LeBron there any at one his, player— LeBron
1: in his prime was, like, the, the closest it's, thing. It's, you know what I mean? And that's yeah. maybe the best player of all time, top two, inarguably. So, yeah. uh, it's— it, yeah, short of the Heat getting that other star player, which, by the way, you know, I would be surprised if the Heat's roster right now looks the same at the end of the regular season. This is still a right. team that could make some moves, so there's part of that between now and the trade deadline. Do they make a move to go get a player of that caliber or even a notch or two or three less than a super another superstar next to Jimmy? And then, like you said, can you get improvements from Tyler? That, to me, is a big part of this season. Can he just be that other guy who could be the top scorer next to Jimmy Butler in the starting lineup? I think the main mission for this season, even more than trying to get to the NBA finals is just answering that question. Is Tyler hero that guy Mm. or isn't he? And then you go beyond that too. I I do think that there, and we've talked about all that stuff a lot already. The one thing I don't think we have talked about a ton is just how Miami's style of play is going to change and maybe it will help Jimmy Butler. We hear, like you said, we've got media day training camp around the corner and I guarantee you One of the things we'll hear, not just from the Miami Heat, but from teams all around the NBA, is what? We want to play with pace, and we want to play faster. Every team says it every single year, every media day. All 30 of them do, without question. The Miami Heat will say the same thing. Eric Spolster will say the same thing. If they can actually do it, though, then I really think that there's a chance that that could benefit Jimmy Butler. You would say, hey, a guy at 33 years old, should he be playing faster? And I think for Jimmy, the answer is yes, because if you get him in the open floor a little bit more, then he's banging bodies less. He's getting easier baskets. You're able to just uh, uh, get the score up. I think defensively, Miami's still going to be top ten in the league in defensive rating. I just don't think they'll be elite the way that they were last year without PJ Tucker and being as undersized as they, as they are. But just for some stats for you, David, like the Jimmy Butler was sneakily one of the best transition scores in the NBA. I mean, he was he was uh, his transition buckets came at about a fifteen percent clip, and they were up there with some of the best play. Like his his efficiency was up there with Giannis, John Morant, Tatum, Jalen Brown, Kevin Durant, James Harden, like some of these guys who you associate a lot with that kind of game. And I don't think you necessarily do associate Jimmy Butler with transition game. The difference is they does it at such a uh, 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 less frequency than those other guys. If they can go from like a 15% frequency of getting Jimmy involved in transition to somewhere like a 20%, then I think that could be a huge boost for Jimmy Butler and extending this prime and maximizing this prime. I want to talk about three point shooting in a little bit too, but yeah. Um, but in terms of transition, when you have Kayla Martin basically slotting in as your starting power forward, you're mm-hmm. going to be playing small a lot too as the game goes on with Jimmy at the four. If you're going to play faster, more four out, five out offense, I think we're going to see a lot more of that this season. I actually do think that a faster pace of play, more threes, uh, more transition opportunities, that's going to be how not. I, I don't think. I, I think that's going to be how Miami is going to operate because that's going to be how they're going to win games. Cause they, whatever slide they take defensively. And again, it will probably be a small one, but it will be a real one. I think they have to make Mm -hmm. for make up for it offensively.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I think that suits them best, or at least it seems like it would on paper, but I, sometimes I question whether or not this is a roster comprised that could actually take that leap. Like Kyle at his age, Tyler, not really much of a transition player. Bam,
1: Tyler likes you know, those by, transition threes. And Bam's a great transition player. I just don't think we've by seen By virtue a of it. just
0: being a, being a big, yeah, it just, yeah. Who can run the they floor. I mean, he can down. outrun
1: any center in the league.
0: Yeah, but they rarely do. Right? And I just wonder, they're going to go into that whole idea again. Like you said, they're going to talk about it. But then by October, yeah, November, no, be, we'll start to the Yeah, David, I'll list. believe
1: it when I see it. It's like LeBron every year says, I want to take the ball out of my hands a little bit more. Give it to <laughs> these guys. And then what happens right. a month into the season? LeBron has the ball in his hands every single possession. I, right. I, I hear you. I 100% agree with you. I just think that if you're not that big, and I don't know that this team is going to— Look, pace is sort of a—I think people confuse what pace really means. You could pass the, the ball catch a lot. All, yeah. But you yeah. can't but that doesn't necessarily generate a fast pace. Pace is just how quickly you shoot the ball. Miami can play right. with pace by passing the ball a lot and moving the ball a lot. Them and Golden State are very similar in that way. Like Golden State isn't the fastest pace team, but we think that they are because the ball moves so much. It looks like a fast pace game because it is a fast pace game. It just doesn't qualify under the pace category as it's defined by the NBA's stats website. But um so I don't want to get caught up too much in the, the individual stat itself, but I do think that Miami's gonna to have to try to get out and transition a little bit more, especially if they don't really know if Tyler's that other score. Like if you can get easier buckets in transition, that eases the burden on Jimmy and all that kind of stuff. Can we talk about the three-point shooting a little bit?
0: Well, I'm glad because that it seems like a natural segue there because yeah. then to play that sort of style of play, and you brought up, you know, Golden State, obviously a great comparison there. You're going to need Tyler in the starting lineup. He's going to have to put up more threes, yeah. but you probably have to put Max Strus in there instead of Caleb Martin because he's your three-point shooter, right? He's... At least him and Duncan are your best three point shooters. Wouldn't they be a better fit at the four ostensibly? Again, none of these players a power forward by any right. stretch of the imagination. So, in order to facilitate this faster pace offense where you're putting up more threes, somewhere closer to 40 to 45 threes per game, that's the number. You're gonna big. have to have three-point shooters yeah. out there,
1: right? I do wonder if they're gonna experiment with Duncan at power forward, because you try to figure out a way that they can shoehorn him into the rotation. He's six foot seven, he's big. I don't know. Maybe if you're guarding other fours, if you're Duncan Robinson, it's not you know not foul prone prone. to fouling exactly, exactly. But, but also those players are bigger, and maybe they'll just post him up, and then he'll foul that way instead of trying to keep up with wings. Tip, is to which we see Duncan.
0: He's not a social media guy, right? Well, we see no off-season workouts from him. No, I'd love to see yeah. him on media day like 15 pounds
1: every. Oh like boy, chance. yeah, yeah. We're gonna get the uh, the jacked Instagram photos and stuff like also that. Also watch, to. yeah. No, I think uh, I don't know if the lineup thing is necessarily as important. I I think they're going to experiment with Jimmy at the four, whether or not they start games or not. They're not. I I don't Mm -hmm. think they'll start games with Jimmy at the floor, but they're going to get to lineups with Jimmy at the four. And by the way, like like last season's numbers, Jimmy Butler at small small forward. Every lineup with him at small forward, the Heat 114 offensive rating, a defensive rating of 108.2. This is obviously per 100 possessions, plus 5.8 net rating. Jimmy Butler at power forward. The offense takes off, one nineteen point seven offensive rating, elite, elite, elite offense. Defensively, obviously, and expectedly, slides one twelve point one defensive rating, but a net rating that's better, seven point six net rating. Now, those possessions are less than half, less than fifty percent of the possessions of Jimmy Butler at small forward, but still, you know, more than a thousand possessions in a pretty solid sample. Obviously, you just allow a ton of offensive rebounds and free throws when you play small with Jimmy at the four. Um, but they are they're also better in transition. To my earlier point, but. No, I think if you want to start taking that, I, I'm, I think you nailed the number, 40 to 45 threes a game. I think it's less about just putting another three-point shooter in the lineup because I think you do want to have uh, some defense there. And as much as Max Drews has impressed us defensively, Caleb Martin is a much better defender than, than Max Drews. And I think you want to maintain that part of your identity. If the lineup is what we expect it to be, Lowry, Tyler, Jimmy Butler, Caleb Martin, Bam Adebayo, I kind of look at Jimmy Butler as being the guy mm. who can amp up the three-point shooting. He's never going to be mm. an awesome three-point shooter, but we saw in the playoffs last year, David, I mean, that three-point shooting was substantially better than it was in the regular season. We always just sort it's of yet. joke about it, but yeah. uh, you look over the course of his career, in the in, in the regular season, he's averaging two... Uh, I'm sorry, this is in Miami, by the way. Two three-point attempts per game in the regular season, making him at a 24% clip. Bad. Just Russell Westbrook okay. numbers, except at a less less attempts per game, much less. Yeah. In the playoffs... That number goes up to three attempts uh, per game, 33.3% from three-point range. Again, not elite, not close to elite, but respectable. And I think a good number at three a game. Last year in the playoffs, four a game, 34% from three-point range. And by the way, you could say, well, small sample. It's not that small of a sample. His his totals in the regular season uh, from three-point range, 337 threes taken in Miami during the regular season. In the postseason, he's taken 126 in the playoffs. Um, he's always been a good free throw shooter, which is a key indicator to just shooting ability. Jimmy Butler, to me, is a good three-point shooter just waiting to be unleashed. Not elite, but good. I think he's a good three-point shooter, and as we've seen, to your point about social media, Jimmy Butler's out there on social media taking a lot of threes, and yeah, it's easy to edit out the misses and the clunkers and the ones that just brick off the back of the, the, the rim. But I think we have seen Jimmy Butler, with his work with Chris Brinkley lately, really put an emphasis on the three-point shot. He talked about it a lot in the playoffs last year. He said, I can take this shot. How many times have we heard his teammates say, we see him take the shot all the time in practice. We are urging him to take more of them. I think that's going to be a key part of Jimmy Butler's game, not just in the playoffs as it it has been for whatever reason in Miami, but in the regular season too. I think they're going to need that from him.
0: I think he's tweaked his form. I really have. I think we saw last season uh, some change at the dynamic. The first couple seasons in Miami – a little bit more of a hitch in that motion and then in the third season I think we saw him kind of be a lot more fluid in that sense and certainly in the playoffs by the time he got to the playoffs it seemed like those shots were just in comfortable rhythm and we're, we're saying to ourselves as we're looking at these games and analyzing Jimmy's performance we're saying that is at least in on, you know in appearance a comfortable shooter somebody who feels like he's in the zone in the rhythm where he can take that shot and make it on occasion 34 percent I mean that's that's pretty solid, and I think we're going to continue to see that evolution from him. And I like yeah, that, and
1: that'll get yeah. better. I agree with you. Yeah, yeah
0: exactly. I, I think as long as he's taking that shot with that kind of frequency, you have to respect it, whether they fall down or not. Like even Dwayne was getting respect from the three-point line, and he was never a competent three-point shooter either. So he I has I the think most famous
1: miss, miss, threes in NBA Finals history or, or Conference Finals history, perhaps. Like teams are going to respect it, right? It almost went in. Yeah. I don't. Know. I agree with you. When you're a star player, you just typically get that respect from three-point range, even if, unless you're Russell Westbrook, basically, which has a track yeah. record of literally being the worst at it in NBA history. But um, look, I, I, and I think this, he's going to get
0: this. a lot of players. I think he's going to get a lot of players to bite on the three too. Like that's going to be another that opportunity be for him to get to game. the free throw line. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I I, I could see Jimmy taking on Jake Crowder-esque numbers of and four and ones with a four-point play, you know, like I, I could see him, taking that game to that next level. Like if this is an opportunity for him to continue to maximize his, his, his peak it's by expanding his range, drawing less contact and and you know not not putting so much wear and tear on its body yeah still being able to be effective and getting the line
1: if you get a guy on if you get one guy to close out to you on that three and then you pump fake it blown by him and then you still get to the free throw line you're drawing contact the difference between drawing contact from between one body and drawing contact from two bodies is yeah is a whole body it's a whole nba body david it matters um Not to keep comparing Jimmy Butler to the all-time greats like Michael Jordan and Dwayne Wade and now LeBron James, but we have seen LeBron, as he has aged, do what? Take way more threes. He has gravitated to beyond the arc, and he's taking way more threes at almost like Steph Curry-level rates. Not quality, you know what I mean? But like he's taking threes all the time, just dribbling up, taking threes from 35 feet whenever he wants. I don't know that Jimmy will ever get to that level. I think LeBron has gotten so much better from a three-point perspective than we've seen Jimmy even get close to, but... If Jimmy Butler can start making his way towards the three-point line a little bit more, that's how you've seen guys who are smart about their bodies like LeBron and like Jimmy Butler is extend their primes a little bit more, take a little bit less punishment, especially during the regular season, take a lot more threes, get those reps in during the regular season. And then by the playoffs, that three-point shot is a real weapon for you, right? Like three years ago, we saw LeBron beat the Warriors in the play-in game with a three-pointer, right? Like it becomes a real legitimate weapon for you. Um, and by the way, who knows? If 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 Jimmy Butler was taking more than two three-point attempts per game during the regular season last year, maybe that three at the end of game seven does go in. You know, right. like practice matters. Uh, I just um I think it's gonna be a part of his game. I I don't think that it's just a postseason thing. I think what we saw and what we heard from him and people around him in the playoffs last year indicated to me at least, it was a hint that this is gonna be a, a trend going forward and not just a playoff every playoffs, we're just gonna start ramping up the three-point attempts. I think it's more of a trend line that'll carry through the regular season as well.
0: Quick last question before we wrap up today's episode. Uh, With The Athletic putting out a list of players that are a lock for the the basketball, I should say, Hall of Fame. That's a a distinction a lot of people don't recognize. It's not the NBA Hall of Fame. It's the James Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame, taking into consideration your collegiate international Mm -hmm. career, USA basketball, et cetera. Of course, Jimmy Butler, a gold medal winner with Team USA, is Jimmy Butler a Hall of Fame player at this point in his career?
1: He is. And also Kyle Lowry. I think there's two, like, secure basketball Hall of Famers on this roster already. Oh, and Haslam. Obviously, Udonis Haslam, too. I think he'll be in it. Um,
0: you think he'll be in a basketball Hall of Fame?
1: Does he have a gold medal? I can't remember. No. No, he doesn't. Maybe, Udonis not, maybe Haslam? not Haslam. Maybe not Haslam. You're right. No. He's just, he played so no. long. <laughs> He's just... Done... That doesn't mean anything. Yeah, I guess you're right. It's... It doesn't really mean anything. No, I think Jimmy... You're right. Jimmy, Kyle Lowry... Um, those to me, those guys, Kyle has a, a gold medalist, what he means to the, the country of Canada and making basketball yeah. a thing in Toronto. Like that to me is very meaningful and the sort of thing that gets included in, in, consideration. So, yeah. And that's to say nothing about the, obviously the young players who knows what Bam's career looks like. Tyler's career looks like, but right now I think it's Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry. I think those guys are hall of famers.
0: I agree with you. And congratulations um, to Tim Hardaway also. Yes. Uh, and Dwayne Wade
1: next time. year, baby. It's going to be huge. That's a great Why? class. Dwayne. Oh, he's oh yeah. I'm list. sorry. Yeah, 10, 10. yeah. Yeah, no,
0: no, no. I'm, yeah. I'm sure he'll, I'm sure he's a lock in his first year. I'm sure he, he seems oh, one yeah. of those players. that's probably going to be a first ballot. No player. doubt. No uh, doubt. Surprise that Dwayne no longer going to be on the TNT crew because he was fantastic as part of that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They got it. Hey, uh, they got a rebuild underway in Utah. They need, they need his basketball mind, I guess. Uh, they're busy. Um, all right. Before we sign off here, can I just uh, say a couple words about my friend, Jonathan Sharks? Absolutely. Um, obviously if you don't know Jonathan Charks, uh, who was a writer for the ringer, passed away from cancer at 34 years old this past weekend. Uh, I got to know him pretty well. Um, over the last couple of years, he was a phenomenally talented writer. I thought he was one of the smartest basketball minds in NBA media. Um, he was one of the first people who made me feel included in NBA media because I, he's shared this story on, I can't remember which podcast. I'm pretty sure it was one of the ringer podcasts uh, recently, but he started like I did um, just sort of the, the the non-traditional route, right? He didn't get a job at doing high school preps on, at a newspaper and then work your way up to a major beat and then eventually get to a national space like The Ringer. But um, he just had a blog, and he was just trying to figure it out, um, like so many of us are. And like, he, like, like I did, he also kind of made ends meet by working for a uh, wine and spirits distributor. And sure. uh, he shared that story on a podcast recently, and I reached out to him, and um, we talked a little bit about that and just how... Uh, one of the things he said was, um, you know, it, it's one of the reasons like it's one of the few things that set him apart is, is having that real world actual job experience versus a lot of people in NBA media who just sort of come up in this and it's just what they know. Um, having worked a real job, because I don't qualify this as a very real job, this is more of a hobby that pays, um, you get more appreciation for it. You get more appreciation for it. And I think that came out so much in Jonathan's writing. Uh, was just how much he loved this and how much he really appreciated the opportunity to just write about it and talk about this sport that he absolutely loved. And that's how, by all accounts, how he lived his life. That's how I knew him. He was always laughing. We had I remember just in Summer League a couple years ago having the best time watching Summer League games and, and just laughing the entire game. He just absolutely loved what he did. He loved his life. He loved his wife, loved his son. And he's a really great guy who impacted a lot of people around him. And I think it's just a thing that when somebody like, when something like this happens, you're just reminded to just not take for granted anything that you love in life, whether it's your job, whether it's basketball, whether it's your family, your friends. um, It's all, if you love it, don't take it for granted. And I think that more than anything is what uh, Charks reminds me of and what I'll think about when I, and and he'll be in my thoughts for uh, a very long time. Well
0: said. Uh, And of course, I, I think there is a, go fund me, uh, to donate for his family. Again, his wife, Melissa, his young son, uh, as a a father myself, I can't imagine. Um, I can't imagine a life, uh, where, where I, I mean, just not being there for my son or my wife and for them to have to move on and, and find a way. And I know sometimes when it comes to these terminal illnesses, um, you know, there's, you know, it's a long expectation, not that he ever gave up at any point, but, uh, I think he's said on many occasions that there's no chance of this getting better. And he knew well ahead that uh, this was going to be terminal at some point. And so you can always prepare for it, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it it gets any easier. And and that's the son who grows up uh, not knowing his father. And I know he wrote about it uh, beautifully for the ringer at one point. Uh, so go and check that out if you haven't seen it on social media, but uh, a fantastic person, fantastic writer, and leaves behind a family that's grieving. So if you can't donate and you have the time, please uh, feel free to do so. But, the, GoFundMe, uh,
1: do the, the link to the GoFundMe uh, site is on my Twitter. Um, it's on a lot of Twitter. It's just if you, if you need a link, it's, it's on Twitter. Um, if you consumed his work, even if you didn't know him, um, just consider uh, giving a small donation.
0: Yeah, nothing too small in this case, but uh, that'll wrap it up for today's episode. Thanks so much for making Lockdown Heat your first listen. For your second listen, get up to date on the latest news and rumors in the NBA in just 30 minutes every day with Lockdown NBA. This is David Rommel signing off for now. Thanks so much for joining me, Wes.
1: Wrap it up, B.